This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Welcome back. It is the Heroic Council episode number one. I am your host for today. My name is Jeff Gibbard, and I'd like to uh, take it all the attention off of me and bring in my three other council members. What up, council members? Hey. All right, for those uh, who don't remember your names and faces, and since we are uh, not using lower thirds or icons today uh, for undisclosed reasons, uh, let's all introduce ourselves. Uh, so who wants to go first? Raise your hand. Jump in. Tim. Hi, my name is Timothy Yuli from Yuli Creative. <laughs> you have to... Gonna have to make sure we gotta we gotta rein you in, Tim. You're a little a little rambunctious today. All right, Parshel, you go next. What's up, Parshel Tashi, Captain at thirty six thousand feet, which is a education and consulting company focused around building video culture for teams of all sizes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Love me. It. Love it. And then today's featured guest. Uh, we, we, you know, we bounce around to different roles today. I'm the host and, uh, today our featured guest, who's going to be the primary person driving the content of today's show is none other than Sarah. Sarah, please introduce yourself. So I am Sarah O'Hannison. I'm a productive coach and I own a business called So Productive, which is my initials. Sometimes it takes people a second. So, so has two meetings. <laughs> there it is. Um, all right. For today, we have a, a fun little topic ahead of us um, and one that I think is extremely relevant, obviously, for the time and place that we are in, in October of 2020, the year of our demise. Man, this year, really something. Isn't it? uh, like, wow. It's just weighing on me. Something. Like, um, what? Yeah. It's like, what, uh, what was that? All year, like every month, there was like a different thing, right? Like we had like the murder hornets phase and like, aren't we still waiting on it? Isn't there like an asteroid month coming? Like there's like a giant asteroid coming to it? I don't know. Anyway, that's awesome. it. Um, Thank you for that information. Happy <laughs> Friday. <laughs> but we're here to address a lighter topic, which is uh, productivity during the pandemic, which I think is going to be a really interesting place for us to go. Um, so to start things off, let's just kind of like take stock of where we've all been in this whole thing. Um, Parshel, how have you been dealing with the whole pandemic thing? How's it affected your business? How have you taken to work? What does your workday look like? How's it affecting you? Kind of take that away. Yeah, it's funny for me. I, I, I realized going through the pandemic and being shut down, how much I am already at home. It just became, uh, you know, something that was more in my awareness and I realized how much of a homebody I am. So um, that was interesting. But as far as business is concerned, I mean, we did have some in-person uh, events that we were going to be producing and, and working on, but those got canceled. A lot of things were just kind of up in the air. And the pivot for me has been in just teaching and, and training and empowering mm-hmm. other people when it comes to video. So that, that's been a big shift in, in terms of business, but it has really just made me more aware of myself <laughs> and you know because all you, you know you're, you're just at home or you're in office more than usual um so what i've done is really taken the opportunity just in my office space and where i met just to like move things around like i added this like uh it looks like a well it's a little recliner chair in here but it's like my little reading section 
Like I have multiple sections in this small room <laughs> just because of this pandemic, just so I can just have, you know, my places to move and to be. But um, I think at the end of the day for me, it's just really been about awareness. Like I'm just more aware of my behavior. I'm more aware of, you know, how much I do work from home and how I actually work. So it's really put a lot of focus on that. It's funny you mentioned that because when I was at WeWork, um, I used to find myself like so I had an office, but like I would find that like days I would work in the in like my actual office, and there were days where like I need to change the scenery, and I would go to like one of the chairs in one area of the building, and then maybe I'd be like, "Hey, no, I'm tired of this," and I would go to like the beanbag room or something. And it's funny because like you've done that like in your in the room that you're in, right? And um, yeah, it's it's interesting because my my office office is in like the corner of my uh, living room. So it's like almost like I don't want to go anywhere else because then like other places will become work. So like there's like the kitchen table. I'm like, but that's where I enjoy my delicious foods. So it's um, that's been challenging for me is like now now I feel stuck in this one spot, although I do like this little corner nook. But yours looks so much more pleasant, like the color of it, the little reading nook. It's just it's nice. I feel trapped here. Uh, Tim, what's it been like for you? You've uh, you've been you know not only have you been working from home but you've also had a move in the midst of all of this. So what's it been like for you to kind of change the way you've been working throughout this pandemic? Um, yeah, it's been like a, like it's been a kind of a bipolar experience because um, in some ways like uh, there's a lot of aspects of my life that are going really really well, um, but then in other ways I don't want to say things are going poorly, but like you know this has definitely been like a stressful anxious period of time. Um, like most people when, uh, the pandemic started, like, I remember, like, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday when like all my clients called me on the same day to literally cancel everything on that same day. Um, and that was really stressful. Cause, uh, cause like, you know, I'd spent probably the last four to six years working on building up, uh, no, yeah, about six years working to building up a client base. And on like the same day, everybody's just like, all right, we're cutting, shutting down everything. Um, so that was pretty terrifying. Uh, and then, um, but, uh, I took advantage of the situation. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I had been planning on moving together and I was planning on moving from Philly to Queens at some point. We, um, we took the opportunity and the cheap rents in uh, New York to find a place in Queens. Um, so, and that's been like absolutely great. Um, I have a much bigger space than I had before. Um, it's really beautiful. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really great living with, uh, Christina, um, work started picking up around the same time in July. So that's been, that's been pretty good. So I've been like very lucky in comparison to like, uh, what's happening with a lot of people out there. Um, so I'm really grateful that also like hyper mindful that like, who knows how things are going to go next year, you know? Um, but at the moment stuff has been, work has been really great. It's definitely, I used to do a lot more like onset shooting, um, but now I'm doing a lot more like people will send me footage or they'll want something just completely animated. Um, I'm doing a lot more web stuff and graphic design stuff. So like, uh, so I'm lucky that I had those skills. I can make that pivot and that people knew I could do that stuff and started asking me to do that stuff. Um, so that's been great. But um, this month I'm doing a lot more live shooting um, on location. Uh, I don't think that's going to last very long because I think this winter is going to shut things down again. But um, I'm taking advantage of the next month and, and getting some shoots in there, which is nice because I haven't really been on location for a shoot um, in since God, early March, maybe maybe even February. So so um, so yeah, moving forward to the next couple of weeks. It's interesting. Um, both you and Parshell, so much of your work is like work that is very tangible. Like you can you can kind of virtually touch it. Yeah, yeah, They're deliverable. 
And um, I just, uh, Parcel and I, before um, we jumped on this, we were talking about uh, Enneagrams and I was talking about, I just recently redid the 16 personalities test and my Myers-Briggs has changed. Um, but in it, they, one of the questions that I remember was like, um, could you devote your life to work that you can't tangibly touch or feel? And I realized that like my work can be done from really anywhere with a Zoom connection because so little of what I like give to people is is outside of like us having a conversation and breaking things down and like whiteboarding out ideas. Um, yeah. But it's interesting, like when, you know, you have people sending you footage that's potentially like multiple gigabytes in size. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you have to do something with it and then you have to send it back. It's like such an interesting um, thing to think about that there's so many people that their their careers are so vastly different. Like I'm thinking about people in like construction or people who work in like there's any number of different things where we lost him. He's coming back, I'm sure. Um, that, uh, you know, th there's just a number of different types of things where it's like you really can't. Um, you really can't do your job remotely. So it's interesting. So today, Sarah, we're going to talk about this whole world of being in a pandemic. Before you get started, why don't you talk a little bit about what your experience has been, the people that you're working with, kind of the lay of the land and why you think it's important for us to address this five hacks of uh, staying productive during a pandemic. Yeah, totally. So, and, and for me personally, what's been crazy is um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know we have a puppy and I call him the productivity puppy, but he is, he is not that at all. And it's been interesting for me, someone who loves structure and knowing when I'm going to be working on something, this has been really a time of just some unknowns and sometimes the phone rings and I got to take care of something different. And I think the, the structure of the day has changed. And for me, having that puppy, it's like, well, now you have to go out. I'm in the middle of something. Ah, stop what you're doing. So um, it's, a, it's a funny minor adjustment, but it's actually really affects that flow of your work and your day. So that's me, that's me personally. Um, what I'm seeing overall is just this really large shift in how how work, home, and family is balanced and not, right? So more about uh, alignment than balance, certainly. And so many companies right now are sending work from home. They're saying work from home for the foreseeable future. I know schools in our area are considering going back in November, but some are not. Some districts and companies have cut the number of employees overall, but then they're also asking employees to do more work, less resources, and people. Um, but I've also heard from the employer side, they want to help, but they're not sure how. Like, nobody likes this situation, and I think that that's important to recognize. This is versus employers. This is something that it's new for everybody, and we're all trying to navigate this new change together. So I'm getting a lot of um, commentary and feedback around that. Yeah, I've heard the term new normal tossed around a lot. And it's interesting because it feels so much like what we're going through right now is not actually like a stable normal. Like this is the normal. It's like we are in between to what the world is going to look like. There's like what we knew it was going to be. And then mm -hmm. there's like what it is now, which I think will be slightly different than what it will become, but it won't be what it was. So it's like adapting to this new normal is kind of like trying to stand on constantly shifting earth under your feet. Um, so I think it's really important for us to talk about kind of how we shift our perspective and how we kind of take the old rules and apply them to what's happening now. So let's let's start by talking a little bit about what you think are um, some of the things that are like the groundwork for trying to be sort of, I guess, prepared for how things have changed, uh, how things will probably continue to change and sort of like what's a, a way to build a strong foundation for everybody moving forward? 
Well, I think what's really important is to recognize that this is a season we are in. And so often we think about seasons as like it's it's fall now and it's about to be winter and the weather physically changes. But a season can be a moment. It can be like I lived in it like he, he switched states that he lived in. Um, and there are seasons that we go through in life. And this is one of them. And it's okay to have emotions with that, right? This isn't, this isn't nothing. This isn't something that everybody in the world isn't dealing with in some capacities. I think it's just important to say, this is tough. And like, that's okay to, to feel that way. Um, the other really important thing is to think about that you're, you're comparing so often to your past life. I used to travel. I used to go to this beautiful office. I used to have a nanny. I used to have child. Care. Um, it, that's just not the way it is. So it's really unfair to compare our our life right now to our past life because it's gone. And 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 it's and it's okay. Like celebrate that time, but now use that energy instead of you know grieving the past to really think about let's embrace the future and new opportunities coming out of this time. And I think that's a really important shift in perspective. Yeah, I agree. So I've been working for myself since 2011. Um, so for me, working from home, it, it wasn't like that was like an enormous shift because there was a period prior to having my own office when I had my agency where like it was very remote, worked from home. Most of my team worked remote. And then there came a point where we got offices and then like we had office space for a while. And then when I got acquired, I was in offices, but I could work from home. So like I've had this kind of flexible work from home. Uh, Tim Parshell, what's your situation on that? Like how long have you guys been doing the work from home thing versus going into traditional offices. I mean, Tim, I'm more familiar with what your situation is, but Parsh, I'll start with you and then and then Tim just quickly comment on what it's been like for both of you. Yeah, um it, it definitely cuz we we were we worked together just so I remember right, kind of having that, that flexibility of like, you know, seeing each other there and just working there sometimes to the late night and then going home, you know, like there was a point I went through different phases. At one point it was like, you know, I'm working way too much at home, maybe it's too distracting, I need to get a space. And then getting into a space and getting used to that and then going back to working at home more and just like how, as the business evolved, and especially when I moved, you know, I, I didn't want to get an office space out here. I just decided to kind of keep everything just as lean as, as I could. And that meant uh, just working from home. So I, I, I definitely adopted that uh, since moving to California. Like I've just had a place here to work. And it got very interesting. At some point, I started kind of asking my friends, not necessarily, hey, let's go have lunch and coffee just to get together. I'm like, hey, we should like get together and like bring our laptops and our books and things we're working on. And then we should like work together. And like, <laughs> I was trying to do different things like that just to uh, to get out a little bit more. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I've I've even now just working at home, like I have so much here. I really like if I were to leave, it, you know, I wouldn't have act like my camera situation, everything would be different. So that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. But um, at the end of the day, working at home and just uh, having this functionality here is I, I like it. I do like it. And I do enjoy at the same time too, just connecting with other people to work. And I right now I just have to do that virtually or or in person when I can. So yeah, it, it, you were like inventing like officeless co-work. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what about you? What, I know for the most part, you, you've been working remotely for a long time, but um, how have you been kind of managing that? Have you been, you know, uh, look, like, have you created for yourself like dedicated workspaces or are you in any way just kind of like bouncing around and trying to work from various places? And obviously in the pandemic, you're kind of, you know, quarantined to home, but how have you been managing this over the years? Um, so, yeah, I've been working at home for, uh, for, 
a long time. Um, so, you know, like the exceptions are like, am I, am I on location for a shoot? Um, or am I meeting with somebody to plan something? Um, or I think the biggest change has been networking. Um, cause between going to networking events, uh, meeting with people, you know what I mean? That I connect with for coffee or lunch. Um, it's so weird to think that that was like, like I would probably do that like two or three times a week, um, back. And that's how I really built like my network. Um, and I, I'm going to say, yeah, the biggest change is really, um, I've become my, my network has been become a lot more like small, but tighter, you know, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't like, I don't think I reach out as much as I did just because like, um, I, I don't know. I don't really like like zoom networking, for instance, like big zoom webinars. Like I, I feel like, you know, there's not really an opportunity to have like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Cause like, I feel like that's typically where I make the most headway with building relationships. So I, I feel like that I feel like if I was just starting out, this would be really hard um, because I wouldn't have that network already developed. Um, and so like getting started now in particular, like I, I would have to like think really hard and, and find like some new strategies to figure out how to do that because um uh yeah yeah that that seems really challenging for people who are just getting started in particular yeah i also i think what's interesting with that is there was no transition it wasn't like yeah let's all, let's all take two weeks and get our office spaces yeah. set up it was like the governor said you can't go in tomorrow and i mean yeah. we left an office space at three three o'clock and never back you know so i think that that's what some people have dealt with this was just very abrupt yeah. And not only that, but like a lot of companies are just like, even, even after all, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted, they're like, like, we're just making it permanent. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. A lot of that has changed. Sarah, you, you, now that you said that you kind of doubly reminded me, not only did you sort of voluntarily uh, move into your own new environment of working from home, working for yourself and all the things you're doing there, but like, you came from an environment that was vastly different. You were there for a very long time where you went into the office every day and now you're kind of shifting. So one, you shifted out of, you would have had to kind of shift anyway, if you were still, you know, uh, working for another company, but now that you mm -hmm. work for yourself, there's sort of like a double thing there. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, what are some of the things that you've learned that you've implemented to try and stay productive as far as your workspace now that you're not only choosing to work from home, but also relegated to working from home? Totally. Um, and actually, Jeff, you're, that's a good lead in because that is actually uh, hack number one. So I'll, I'll get right into it. Um, I think what's, what's interesting about this dedicated space is that it's dedicated, right? That's, that's the key. And the, the dedication of a space has really two, two reasons for that. One is a signal to those around you that this is this is a work time. I am working now. And the other is that a space actually provides you with a process and a, and a state of flow in your space. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but setting up a space to be, Parshall mentioned it, so it functions well for your habits and the tasks that you actually need to accomplish. Like your workspace shouldn't be this drop zone for everyone putting their things in your house. You really do need like a sacred space that is yours. Um, so that is, is hack number one. And there's two, two parts of that also with a physical but also the mental. So physically having a space and, and again, not everyone has the luxury of having an office with a door and a, and a big, huge desk, but even a corner, a section of a table, an area I've, 
I talked to with other people about how they can like pardon off a section of a room, but having that space. And the hard thing is the kitchen counter isn't it, right? The kitchen is the hub of the home. It's a main thoroughfare. Everybody wants to be in there grabbing something to eat. So, you know, setting up a workspace in a kitchen, for example, can be can be a real challenge. Um, but having that, that space that is out of the kitchen, out of the family hub, area and then moving clutter space because the clutter actually takes up so much physical and mental space um yeah oh did you want to say something no i just said amen i oh yeah (laughs) on that one the the clutter just it invades my ability to think but yeah 100 on that one sorry Totally. No, totally. And I think it's in to have things that are, you know, like you're going to touch all the time. I, I'm going to need access to pens. Uh, for me, I have I have um, puppy treats, a mason jar, because my puppy's going to come in and disrupt me. and I want to give him a treat. So like, what are those things that you're going to reach for all the time? But then getting the rest of the stuff out of your way, because you're actually taking brain power to think and process about all the stuff that's around you. So less stuff can really be helpful in those situations. Um, cleaning up your desk at the end of the day is another really important tip that just when you walk into your physical space in the morning, and, and again, whether that's a small section of a table, even it's clear because mentally you want to come into the day, like fresh and ready to go. Um, so, you know, the other thing of base is making sure that it makes you feel positive and creative and alive. Like the, 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 the bills shouldn't be all over your space or the all the to-dos that you have to do. So cleaning out that space um, to ensure that your brain is ready to work when you get into that physical environment. Got it. So Okay, so to recap, hack number one is about creating your dedicated space. And some of the main points of that would be that you want to make sure that that physical space is, one, a signal to other people that you are in work mode. So on the one hand, just having that space alone can be a signal to those that are in your environment because we're all cooped up at home together. Mm -hmm. uh, This is a time when I'm working. So you create your physical space for that. And then some of the keys to making sure that physical space are uh, as effective as they can be is making sure that they are one, a place that you want to go to and feel comfortable working. So you set that up however that makes sense to you. Like I always have a calendar right here that my wife makes for me every year that has pictures of us and it makes me smile during the day. Um, But also just making sure that you have it cleaned off so that you're able to think and not have things distracting you when you need to get things done. So make sure that the bills aren't around, make sure that you're not using it as a catch-all for everything, but rather a space where you can get things done. Did I miss anything in my recap of point number one? That was perfect. Solid. Well, let's move on to point number two, because I think, uh, you know, uh, it's very easy to to get caught up in the discussion of all the things that we're doing, working from home and everything. Let's make sure we get through these hacks and uh, we'll leave ourselves some time for discussion uh, anyway. So what's hack number two? Hack number two is, to manage expectations. And the best way to manage expectations is to one, set boundaries, which is people kind of get that concept. But two is to communicate those boundaries, which is actually a step that gets missed quite a lot. So communicating those to your family, your children, your boss, your coworkers, even your clients. Um, and so when, when we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing and like, what are these expectations? We always feel guilty. Like I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough, or maybe I should be answering email at, at 10 o'clock. So at PM, and that's when those boundaries really come into play. So Setting boundaries is is really critical, especially right now. Just because you are working in your house, it does not mean that you should be working all the time or that your whole life is about this jungle 
little mess of work and, and family and home, right? So it really is important to, to separate these things. So we talked about the physical workspace and again, putting that physical barrier up. I've got headphones on, I'm working now, I'm closing the door. I'm gonna coordinate with my partner about childcare or, or pet care. Um, I actually took my dog today to um, Barkingham Palace so he could spend the day, but that was a way for me to set a boundary for myself. It said, I can't have interruptions right now. Another big way to set boundaries is to have a start and a time. It is very easy when we have no physical workspace, uh, that we're living and needing to commute back to home, it's very easy to just go from one to the next and bring your phone with you and now your work comes right with you. So now you're having a family meal and your phone goes off and you're right back into work mode. So knowing when you're gonna stop working for the day is really important. Another one is modes of communication. What tools are you gonna be using? You're gonna be using email at certain times of the day. Are you gonna be on Slack certain times of the day? What is an appropriate way that you want people to be communicating with you? Um, can they can they Facebook message you and that's the way that your team thinks that you're gonna communicate? So that's around the modes of communication. Also important, and then what days you're gonna be taking meetings and what days you'll be working on certain initiatives. So do this, it's really important to collaborate with your team. I think it's often, I'm, I'm setting a boundary now, but nobody knows what, what you're doing afternoon because you set a boundary, but you didn't tell anyone that you were going to be having those boundaries in place Thursday noon, right? So now people are like, where did she go? But rather, what's important here is to communicate those boundaries so people know, oh, it's Thursday afternoon. She, she blocked out time to get her most productive work work done that time and everybody knows about it. So collaborating with your team, your superiors on what is important, what's expected of me, what is what does the organization think is right in this case and having conversations around this because there is no right way to set boundaries, but there is definitely a wrong way and the wrong way to not communicate and talk about it and collaborate together. Yeah. Every single bit of that. And I think the setting expectations piece combined with what are all of those different um, habits that you put yourself into so that you can make sure you adhere to that. Um, so as everyone on the council probably knows, like I set some very stringent boundaries right in my onboarding email with clients where I'm like, I work between this time and this time. I work with clients on these days and these days. The best way to get a hold of me is this and this. You cannot, I will not respond to anything outside of these hours. So like I set those things. One area where as you were talking, I was thinking a boundary that I could set because I don't do it in my physical boundary is I could turn off my computer at a certain point because uh, in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, one of the things he talks about is that, the, you know, in the science of making and breaking habits, if you want to break a habit, one of the things you have to do is actually make it more difficult for you to do the thing. And if you want to make a habit easier, you make it easier. Or if you want to do a habit, you want to make it easier and easier to do, right? So like if you want to get dressed as soon as you wake up in the morning, you set out your clothes the night before, right? And if you want to stop smoking, you put it inside of a box, inside of another box with a lock and key. And then you put that under a combination lock and then you give that key to somebody else, right? So if I were to shut off my computer, I'm actually giving myself a hack now for that physical space. So to just to recap point two is managing the expectations, setting the boundaries for others. That could be your boss. It could be your partner. It could be anybody in your life. And then also doing all the things that you can to ensure that you adhere to those boundaries. So a question yeah. for the other members of the council is what steps have you all been taking to set those boundaries, manage those boundaries, or do you find that this is a wake-up call for you that you need to set better boundaries? Tim, let's start with you. Hmm. Um, 
So um, that's a great question. Uh, so I've historically probably been not so great about setting boundaries. Um, I think the, and because I've been kind of working at home for a while, like I think the biggest area in my life is setting boundaries specifically for myself rather than necessarily my clients. Um, in sense that like I'm very easily distracted. So making sure like I don't have access to, or I, I live in my access to like being work um, is a big one as far as like outward facing i definitely have um like because my clients require a lot of meetings so i make sure to like if we're doing a meeting we have it first thing in the morning or at like four o'clock before it works over because usually if i have a meeting in the middle of the day that's going to break up uh that's going to break up my work and i'm it's going to be hard for me to get back in and out i'm going to lose additional time just getting back in and out of work um and uh and then finally, something that, you know, I've been talking with Jeff and Sarah about a lot lately. Oh, God. Um, oh, sorry. I've, still here. Screen disappeared. Um, yeah, something I've been talking a lot about with Sarah and uh, Jeff lately is time blocking. Um, time blocking is a great, great like, non-physical way to set boundaries um, for yourself, like in, like, uh, like, just so you're getting certain things done and you don't feel like, as I might often like feel like I have to look at all my emails, but I also have to, you know, do client work, but I also have to, you know, like do some stuff around the house and et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and if I'm doing one thing, I feel guilty about not doing the other two things and vice versa. So like time blocking is a great way for myself to set boundaries um, being like, okay, this is the time allocated to this. So I don't have to feel guilty about not doing the other stuff that I need that I should be doing. Um, yeah, I, I'm, there's probably more, but at the moment, those are the things that come to mind. Love it. And th those are all really good points. And I think they're going to nicely lead into Sarah's next point, but Parshall, I'll give you a, a chance to, to chime in on that. What have you been doing to set the boundaries? Uh, or is this a wake up call for you to set boundaries? Yeah, I've actually, in, in some very interesting ways, been using, uh, a light to, uh, to put outside of my door. And, uh, this has been really helpful. So actually it's one of the ones that comes with the remote, so I'm able to like change the color. I don't know mm -hmm. if that shows up red, but this is supposed to be red. Anyway, yeah. but I put this outside of my door because for one, uh, our bathroom is right here next to it. So I've been on some calls and it's like you hear a random toilet flush or like whatever. So I've had to uh, put something like this up. And this is like a form of a boundary, if you will, or at least communication out to my partner and anybody else who's here that like, Red means I'm recording. Green means you can still come in, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like coming up with these codes and like ways to uh, signal what it means. But this has been a really good boundary for me because it is distracting. Like if, if uh, she comes in or whatever. So um, I recommend this, like something like this. Great and idea. And I love that. Right here, I can just hit the remote. <laughs> like I'm all techie in here. It's so funny. Right. So I hit the remote like I'm on live. <laughs> That's awesome. I like what that. What is that like called? What was that? Uh, you know, it's one of these Amazon things, but it, it clicks on, so I can. It's yeah. one of those press ones or whatever, and it comes with the remote. So uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find an Amazon link to include with this episode, so you guys can. Uh, yeah, we we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put yeah. it in the show notes so people have it. I love that. I think yeah. that that is that is huge, and that's the that's the communication piece. And again, that's the that people are missing. It's like, well, I'm going live. Oh, but you didn't tell anyone in your house you were doing that. So it's, it's not really their fault that they walked in. They didn't know. And I think exactly. that, that, that is really important. 
Yeah, and I think kind of to to bundle to the uh, the point that Tim made and the par- point that Parshel made uh, into kind of leading you into your next point, I think. Uh, which is understanding what your priorities are being one piece and then communicating that outward. And and the better you can plan for that, obviously, the better you can communicate that out to the people who are around you. So uh, what's hack and slash tip number three? You are now listening to the Heroic Council. It's about getting clarity. And clarity is the key to productivity. It's everything. And it actually, I believe clarity so much. I I have a productivity system called Code and the C is clarity. And we often get stuck in the weeds with our work. We get so fixated on all the problems at hand that we end up just working harder and harder to solve those problems as they're popping up. And we are really moving ahead. And so I often equate this to being like a game of whack-a-mole that will never end. So uh, instead of a new project or a mole presenting itself, you know, I challenge you to just take a step back whack-a-mole game and ask two critical questions and those two questions are what and why and what is some such a simple question but it is often missed so it's literally asking when a new project comes up what is it and it is amazing to me how often that step gets missed and what does that project entail what will make that project successful what are the outcomes, the goals, and the expectations of that project? And getting really specific here, you know, during my marketing career, I saw this step it really missed time and time again. And this lack of clarity can just be paralyzing and lead to a host of other miscommunication issues. But um, by asking what you're really taking the guesswork out of what the scope of a project is, and so you're not wasting time trying to figure that out later on. So the other question is why? And when we're kids, you know, we often hear, because I said so, that's the way we've always done it. Um, But I want you to think like toddler here, when someone asks you to do something, really question why, why, why? Jeff did an exercise with me once and he asked me why 12 times. And eventually I was like, Jeff, I don't know. I don't know anymore. We went too deep. But asking why is just just mission critical to get uh, all of this clarity and all the reasons why you're doing in alignment. And it actually causes employees a lot of stress and procrastination um but people don't want to procrastinate but they often don't know why they're doing something and that lack of a mission really is a lot of procrastination so next time you're presented with a new a new project a new task a new challenge just what and why so i think one of the reasons why that's such a good piece of advice in the midst of these five tips for staying productive during a pandemic is that we're all dealing with so much other emotional um, stress that comes along with, um, you know, working from home, adapting to a new situation, being in close cramped quarters, not socializing as much, spending all of this time on Zooms, uh, adapting to a world that, you know, seemingly has all sorts of problems going on while we're, you know, in our little bubbles at home. Um, that I think adding this step of trying to bring some mental clarity in the midst of all of this otherwise hazy kind of fog, um, is almost tantamount to the, to being called a hack, right? Like to, to kind of hack your way out of the fog, to ask the questions that help you get clarity on like why we're doing things. What is it that we're actually doing? What are we trying to accomplish? Asking all of those questions, I think are absolutely critical to it. So at this point now, if we were to recap just kind of where we've been, you've got this dedicated workspace at home where it's cleaned off. You've got a nice place for yourself to think. You're, uh, you know, setting clear expectations to those around you, to your clients. So now you've really carved out 
a, a sanctuary for yourself at home. And then as work comes into the sanctuary, you're getting clarity on what it is, why it exists. And it's almost a way to be able to return to normal, to have yourself mm -hmm. operating in this new normal in some way. But you still have other things to do. And your next tip, I think, is going to give people some very actionable advice on what to do once you've gone through those three steps. What's next? All right. So tip hack number four is to commit to three priorities for tomorrow. And there's a lot of neuroscience and research about why the number is three. But um, what I recommend people do is to combat that overwhelmed of this big to-do list. I have so much to do is to take 15 minutes at the end of your day and think of it like a cool down period. It's almost like a cool down period from a from a hard workout you wouldn't just spend the treadmill and then stop and get off like your heart rate would be soaring, you would be dizzy you might pass out so instead what you do at the end of the workout is you cool down and your your heart rate your blood pressure your body can really normalize again and it's the same thing for the end of your day so taking a couple minutes to reflect on what you did that day that was probably pretty awesome so I'm probably just a couple of great things and celebrating that just for a few moments. But then also uh, picking three priorities from your to-do list that you're going to focus on tomorrow. And again, this is a physical action. I have I have a plethora of post-it notes that I like to uh, to use. But what I do is I do uh, three priorities on a post-it note, and I literally write it on there. I leave it on my computer. And Jeff, to your point from earlier, is shut down the computer, which is something your computer sometimes goes days without being off. So shutting down those three post-it notes and putting it right front and center on your desk for tomorrow. Because when you walk in tomorrow, the beautiful thing is you are going to get those three things done. And then you are going to feel accomplished. You are going to see all these things coming off your to-do list. You're going to feel successful, impactful, and fulfilled instead of, you know, defeated and overwhelmed that you're not reaching your goals. So it's, it's, cool to see that momentum happen. It's like a snowball. If you get those three done first thing in the morning, it's time to work on some other things. So three priorities on a post-it for tomorrow. I absolutely love that. And I love that it actually <laughs> pairs together with your earlier point about sort of setting your boundaries. Uh, also hilarious that you have the abundance of color-coded notes to go along with that. That makes uh, perfect sense. Um, I love the, the use of, uh, three priorities for the next day. I've, uh, you know, I follow a Kanban board method of getting stuff done. And in my limiting work in progress column, the, the now column, I only allow three things in there. Uh, and I've always found that that number, and it's interesting to know that there's neuroscience behind that, but, uh, I find that that does really help me stay, uh, on point with that is just to have like the three. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. Um, all right. So the final hack, uh, I think really, nicely collects up all of what you've already given us and gives you kind of like one final thing to, to push you into productivity land. So what is the final piece of the five productivity hacks? Well, it's, it's to own your calendar. And so I, I see a lot of people who do all these steps, but then they're still not getting their work done. They don't, they don't have their priorities done. And often the reason is because they actually didn't take time to put it on their calendar and actually do those tasks. Like they're not going to happen magically that the groceries don't show up in the fridge. You have to go to this and get them. So um, the best way to accomplish your, your priorities is structure day using your calendar because we've all been to that place where you get to the end of the day and you say, I hardly got anything done today. Like we've all had that feeling before and it's likely because of a flexible schedule and you're letting other people 
people or distractions disrupt day. And so uh, physically putting on your calendar is the difference between getting it done, still having it on your to-do list because by putting it on your calendar, you're going to prioritize that time and you're actually going to get the work done. And I equate this with, you know, training for a marathon. We cannot just get to the starting line of a marathon this weekend and then finish that intensive race. Instead, you'll want to do a training program that matches your skill level, and then you'll allot the necessary time each day to train, and you're going to spend time running in the months leading up to the race. And it's really the same here with your goals and priorities. You can't roll up and think they're magically going to happen. you got to put in the time on your calendar. So that's hack number five. All right. Question for the council. Uh, anybody here... Does that resonate with anybody here about owning your schedule and not letting anybody else take over it? Oh yeah, because it's like you know your your time is your time is everything <laughs> at the end of the day, and I think that for sure the like the recent event what's happened in our world is just I think put more awareness on your time. Either you felt either you were like, dang, I used to do all these other things, now I'm not doing anything at all. Like, what am I doing with my time? And this has been huge for me as well. I think I learned this from Jeff. I think he, about like kind of time blocking. So it's now it's like to to an extent I feel less stress about what needs to be done because I've made time for it. it. It's like because there's that space there, I just need to show up in that space, you know. And then once I'm there, everything else will work itself out. I can know what I need to do just in that time because it's dedicated for that activity. So in a lot of respects, it's given me peace of mind because I I, I used to have like to do lists that were two, three columns, you know what I mean? The stuff that were not connected. It wasn't necessarily categorized. I'm like, I just, I just know I need to do all these things. And so to know that I have the space to do it now by blocking it off the calendar lets me know it can be done. And at the same time, lets me know that, hey, if I showed up in that time and I did my best, whatever I got done was more than I, you know, had done before. So I can be okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where else could I get the time to knock out the whole other column? You know, I need to just, just show up and just keep being uh, there for that time. So that's definitely been helpful for me. And it makes me feel all, you know, special when I look at my little color coordinated calendar now. So it's awesome. Well, it's an interesting point because you said you make the time for it. And I think that's such a critical distinction between finding the time. Like, oh, I didn't find the time for it. No, no, you didn't make the time for it, right? So if you set aside the time for it and you show up and you do the thing, to your point, like whatever you get done is more than you would have gotten done had you not set aside and made the time for it. Um, and then there's people like me who just try to do too many things and it doesn't matter because you can't find the time to make everything work. Yeah, yeah. Bad, yeah. Um, and also like uh, – like if you're working on something particularly ambitious, like um, it, it, it could be like like several days to just flesh out like what actually will legitimately go into this ambitious project. And uh, and if you don't take that time and, and view that time as like legitimate work, as like a legitimate part of the project, then like you are going to procrastinate. Like because you because it's like way too big to approach. Um, and that's something that like I get caught up on a lot is just um, like whenever I'm doing something that's kind of new and it's like, I know how to do it, but it's just so there's so many moving parts to this. You know what I mean? Like it, like you like, like, and, and I don't like just jump in and sit down and start like breaking it apart and like look, looking at each component and how can I make it smaller and smaller. And smaller. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's going to be like, 
impossible and then you're going to procrastinate and then the deadline's going to come and come closer and you and it's not going to be what you wanted it to be because you know you didn't you didn't like view that period of time of like how do i like organize what i actually need to get this done um yeah, it's, it's just it's just gonna you're you're gonna do something end up doing something like a lot smaller, a lot less ambitious, and you're not gonna be as happy with the with the final results, and um and it's going to like impact you know it, it definitely will impact your your medium term or long term growth in those areas in your work. Yeah, and related to that, Tim, something that I know that I know that you do, for instance, but I, I know that also the rest of the people on the council do is you batch process your work. And I think that's a kind of a big component of what Sarah was just talking about, about owning your calendars. Like you actually can't batch process work and do things in big chunks of time. Like your work, for instance, Tim, in, you know, it's not like you can sit down and edit for 15 minutes. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you need to build up some momentum. So that whole time of like setting aside blocks big enough so that you can get into a task and break it apart like you were talking about, but also you have the time to do the work that's necessary so that you're saving yourself time in the long run. Yeah. Like for instance, like right now I'm working on a, um, on an interactive infographic. It's, it's going to be like on a, on, on the, over the web. And there are like parts of it that are, are animated in video animation programs. And there's parts of it that are going to be animated in the actual like on, on, on like the web platform, you know what I mean? In CSS and HTML and JavaScript and stuff like that. And, um, and then there are parts of it that aren't going to be animated. And you know what I mean? There are components of it that I'll just develop. They're just like shapes and stuff that'll just develop like using CSS and then other stuff that I need to develop in Illustrator or InDesign or, you know, like a video software. And, um, and I just have to like, for instance, just sit down and be like, where am I building which part where, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, and that alone, like, like, um, it's, it's not like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, it's just a lot of work just getting in there and doing those pieces. But if you do those pieces, you'll legitimately be able to do those things. Cause most things that you do in life are like, at least in, in most pieces of work are like really, really simple. It's just, there's a lot of really simple pieces, you know, and you have to like figure out like, like what those really simple pieces are, because most things really aren't that hard at the end of the day. It's just like knowing how to do the little things and knowing how to do a lot of those little things and how those little things interact with one another. Yeah. It's like when you, when you actually take, so for instance, like the process of strategy, which I've been doing for 12 years now, it's just taking the big idea of where you want to go and then working backwards from where you're trying to get to and thinking about all of the little steps that go into getting where, like, what is the step that directly precedes that? And what precedes that? Which takes a lot of time and energy and thinking to actually get through, but it's all little steps. And the idea of doing anything really big is typically, how do you take this and disassemble it into its smallest, most basic components so that you can work on those small basic components? And I think to the point of a lot of what's been said during this um you know, the, the five tips that Sarah gave a lot of it is really about like, how do you take these small actions that yield, you know, 5%, 10% better results in all of these different areas. When you combine them all together, you give yourself more mental clarity, you give yourself a greater uh, possibility of results. It all just kind of works together. So, uh, just want to quick recap the five points that Sarah said today and, um, and then just kind of open up for us to just chat a little bit before we, uh, before we head out for, uh, the rest of the day and for next week's episode. But uh, the first is to have yourself a dedicated workspace. And that dedicated workspace is something where you should feel great when you're there. It should be a clean workspace where you're not distracted. It should be one that's a boundary to other people and the signal to other people that you are in when you're working. And that leads into point two, which is about setting expectations, setting expectations for those around you in your physical space, as well as the clients and people that are virtual 
uh, that you're going to be interfacing with and letting them know where you communicate, when you communicate, when you're on, when you're off. And then also for yourself, setting those expectations and boundaries by doing things like shutting off your computer, putting post-it notes there for the next day and things like that, just to signal to yourself that it's that it's over and done with for the day. Make sure you get clarity as things come in. That's the third tip, making sure that you understand what it is that you're working on and why it is that you're working on it. It's going to be really helpful to cut through that fog uh, as we're all experiencing that, uh, you know, trying to manage this new normal. We have good days. We have bad days, but making sure to ask that why and what are going to give you the clarity to, to cut through the noise and have a better sense of what it is that you're working on. And as you do that, you're going to want to make sure, and for tip number four, which is to set three priorities for the next day. If you do that consistently every single day, at the very least, you will complete three priorities for the very next day. Each and every day, you will uh, finish three priorities and you'll have a sense of accomplishment. You'll feel good about the work that you're doing and you'll know why you did it and what it is that you're doing. And then finally, of course, is to own your own calendar uh, making sure that you know when you're able to work on the things you want to, you're setting aside the time to do creative work, to batch process the things that you're doing, and that you're not letting other people intrude upon uh, the priorities that you have. Kind of to Tim's point, you know, he knows that he doesn't want meetings in the middle of the day because it's going to interrupt his workflow. All of us can take small actions like that to better set expectations with people, own our own calendar, and do our best possible work. So, Sarah, I hope that was a good recap of everything that you talked about today. Excellent. And I, I just want to reiterate that point of those small steps. And again, I think people think about productivity often as this huge overhaul of a system, but it's really not. It's just about doing a little bit better every time you sit down to work or or to manage your, your work and home life. And it's it's actually easy if you if you think of it that way. It doesn't have to be a big daunting task. 100% agree. And, and again, before we jumped on here, I was talking about how my Myers-Briggs profile changed. So I used to be an ENFP. Like, and, and the difference between P and J for the uninitiated is that typically P's are the people who like just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. They're kind of like all over the place. Whereas like J's are very rigid and organized and have task lists and, and lists for everything. And essentially there was a point in my life where I was just all over the place and I was just this chaotic mess of a person in a good way. I still was very high level. I was able to like really think big strategic visionary thoughts, but I often had trouble with the more granular details of things and staying organized and on task and, and, you know, keeping my time uh, oriented. And this is back in like 2012 ish time period where I took that. And then over the years, I've imposed upon myself all of these little changes, trying to be a little bit better about my task list, a little bit better about my calendar, a little bit more organized in how I deal with email. And all of this bit by bit by bit actually changed me from an ENFP to an ENFJ, because now I actually feel quite uncomfortable when I'm not imposing these systems upon myself because I feel like I'm out of control. Whereas when I impose my task list and I have my calendar, I feel like I'm more able to um, be deliberate about chasing and going after the goals that I have in life and getting things done. So it's interesting because to your point, it wasn't like I just one day was like, I'm organized now. It was, it yeah. was a very gradual process that probably um, a free spirit here who needs to be an EFJ. Right on. What up, Facebook user? Um, so yeah, the, the, um, that was our first chat that came in. We're glad to see you. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the fact is like, I didn't just change overnight. It was, I really had to work at that stuff and I had to study people that knew how to do that. And you do it a little bit here and there and you get to be the person who now has packing lists for everything and grocery lists and like everything in my life is now super organized and I'm still a little bit of a mess, but like it's bit by bit. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's everybody else taking away from this? I know for me, one, it's shutting off my computer at the end of the day, but what's everybody else taking away from this? 
Yeah, I know for me, I or just to give myself the grace to and like to, I guess, not beat myself up, essentially, when it comes to getting things done. And like you said, this is a, it's a work in progress and you kind of experiment and you, you know, eventually kind of start to get a groove of what works for you. If you, I guess, put that that time and attention to it. Uh, one thing that I've done uh, and I've probably done it for like the last couple of months and it's part of my routine now. I don't know what else to call it because I don't th- I don't know if it exists. I just kind of come up with stuff. But essentially, I, I put on a sheet of paper, I make a big circle. And then around the circle, I just put all of the things that uh, are, ma- you know, major things I need to make sure are done. And then I kind of create a line and I basically it looks like a pie with pie slices. OK. And then as I proceed through the day, once one thing is checked off, like I bring out a highlighter thing or something, and then I just highlight that pie or that that slice of pie. And then I kind of progress and it's like, you know, it's something about it. Once it's clicked off and I'm like actually uh, highlighting it out, it's it's just it's a process or something I go through. Because I think at the end of the day, it's like we're trying to figure out how do we manage our energy, our time and focus. And for me, when I'm able to see the progress that I'm making, even at the start of the day, it just it it, it keeps me uh, wanting to fill the pie or what I say, eat the pie. So <laughs> um, that's, it, it's been really helpful for me. And I've just been incorporating that as well. What have you just to part of my day. So that day I'm literally looking at a circle on a piece of paper that looks like, it's, you know, looks like a, looks a, like a pie. pie, you know? Yeah. It looks like <laughs> pie. I don't know if it'll show up, but like, here's, no, you probably can't see that. Dang it. I need to figure out how to do that. Uh, yeah, if you back up, back anyway. up, back up. Yeah, and if you turn it on an angle, we could almost see it. A little bit more. Uh, a little more. Yeah, you can kind of see it. Yep. There, oh, it, is. there, there it, is. it is. We got a circle. So, yeah. So I've got like, you know, a quarter of my pie done for the day, uh, which included connecting with the Heroic Council and another networking event I did. So it's like. And you feel good about it. It's like, I put this down because it's something I wanted to do. I made the time for it. Now it's complete. And I I did it. I, I hopefully showed up as my best in that moment. And I'm going to move on to the next. Yeah, I love it. And I, I like that you came up with your own system. And I think it's really important to emphasize that for people. Because like I work with clients and I'm often giving them advice on like, here's a way to be more productive or here's a way to be uh, a better leader. Or here's what eh, all different sort of frameworks and things. And I think the the thing that sometimes I don't do a good enough job of is uh, explaining to people that this is not, this is not a recipe that you have to follow to the T. These are kind of helpful directions to point you in. So you don't like, if we give, you know, for instance, we're talking about calendar blocking. I find that useful. Sarah finds that useful. Tim's finding that useful. Parshel, you're finding that useful, right? So that's something that's helpful. We all think that it's helpful, but it's not like it's a prescriptive thing that you can't be productive without calendar blocking, but all these sorts of things, you know, whether you use Todoist or Asana or a paper to-do list or a circle, whatever it is, you have to find the system that works for you. I used to like in Asana how they, they have the flying unicorn whenever you got something done. That always made me feel good. But, uh, but I appreciate that, like you bring up that you have your own system that works for you. And I think hopefully that should give people a little bit of freedom that you don't have to do what everybody else does. You don't have to use the software everyone else does. You don't have to do anything the way anybody else does. You have to find out what works for you. And what I would encourage is to focus on the principles. And I think the principle there that you're pointing to is you like the recognition in, in the form of like seeing the colors being filled in, right? Like that's the visual recognition for you that you're getting closer to your goal. So whatever it is that works for you, uh, dear listener, that's the move, I think, is find the thing that works for you. Mm-hmm. Tim, what about uh, you? Take it. Sorry, Asana sent me their little characters because I'm a, I'm a uh, Asana certified. 
Yeah, thank you. That's what flies across your screen when you get something done. I think I have my stickers somewhere in a pack because I got my my pack from them recently. Oh, here's the here's the horn. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the one I kept out of all. I think I'm not sure if I kept the like the rest of the stickers or whatever. I think I have it somewhere. What about you? Anything you want to talk about that you're taking away from today's episode? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, like it's it's a reminder of how much more improvement I need to have. Like, uh, yeah, whenever I talk to Sarah, I'm always like, uh, <laughs> so far behind. Um, but uh, and and just like, um, just, uh, like. Uh, and, and I was talking to you guys about this yesterday about just like making lists and writing things down, you know what I mean? And having something in a, in a state where I can reference it pretty easily. Um, it is, um, is something cause, cause I do so much just in my head and, and I know, I know that, um, uh, that that's not just like potentially, you know, you're going to miss something, but it's also like kind of cognitively taxing, you know what I mean? to be storing and trying to reference things that are in your head all the time. Cause like you prefer to spend your mental energy on like doing creative things and doing stuff that's going to like actually stuff that you can actually accomplish rather than being like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like what's that thing I was supposed to do and then spend 10 minutes trying to like go through your mental files and find it. Um, versus just being able to re- like reference a to-do list or your calendar or something like that. Um, not that I don't keep a calendar at all, but you know, you're getting better with your calendar and you're using Todoist more. So you're, you're on the path. Remember yeah. little incremental steps, man. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not like, I'm not like unhappy, but you know what I mean? But in general, it's always a reminder of how big of a disorganized person I am. <laughs> well, as I'm evidence, you can turn from a P to a J. Well, yeah. Sarah, I'm going to leave you with the last word on today. Any thoughts you want to wrap up with, but also I want you to finish this off with telling us, uh, since I figure since you're the, the honored guest of the day, it'd be helpful for you, for you to tell us what are you really into right now? I'm going to let you close out on that. Yeah, I, I'm excited to have this segment because I think we're going to learn a lot of uh, different tools and, and uh, products that we like, which will be fun. So what I'm into right now is the show Get Organized with the Home Edit on Netflix. So shout out to those ladies on that show. Um, I'm obviously a fan of clean and tidy workspaces. I was... Um, I don't know if you can see behind me, but my books, my books have been color coded long before they made it popular. So I'm just saying that might have been my idea. Um, but the, the show is really interesting because it shows this aesthetic. I love this like this physical act of organizing, but I also appreciate the emotion behind the spaces and how our spaces make us feel. They're really, a, they're really addressing that. We're, we're in our homes now more than ever. And of course, this show is about these material things, but those that the chaos that is going on with our physical things can actually be something that we're overlooking and we're not even realizing could be a potential problem for us. So just you know, bring awareness to your physical space and how your physical space can really affect your your mental health as well. So I, I love it. I'm I'm into that show definitely. Right on. Well, I'm excited to watch it, although I'm a little bit nervous because organization shows are like crack to me. When I watch Marie Kondo, I'm like, oh, I need to clean my house. And just, it, it's a little too much for me. I can't. Yeah. yeah. I think the only thing is that you kind of make you have to go to the containing these expensive clear bins, which I love. I have a lot of so much of this you can really do with what you already have in your house, a shoe box, a, a box you already have. So it doesn't have to be this huge daunting thing. 
Again, start small. I, I do that, but then I'm always like, oh, God, these boxes don't match. And I, I know. it just it does it to me. So, um, yeah, yeah. all right. So before I wrap it up, uh, any final words from anyone else on the council? Um, um, oh, I'm just going to um, say to to not just find a way to not beat yourself up over this stuff at the same time, because I think that there's a, a balance that has to come into this because you're trying to figure out yourself and you're trying to figure out uh, how you can achieve your goals and you have to make the time to do that stuff. So uh, give yourself grace in the process too. And you'll, also, you know, like, solution yeah. will emerge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and to add on to that, like a lot of times, like you don't recognize the product progress that you've made. You know what I mean? Like you, a lot of, like I can tell for myself, you know what I mean? On a day to day basis, I'm not really aware of the progress I've made in all these different areas. So like it sometimes it feels like I'm standing still, you know what I mean? And not really moving forward. But like if you really reflect back on like the last three years and compare like what your processes look like now versus what they look like three years ago, you're probably you'd probably be more impressed with yourself than you'd think. Agreed. Agreed. Well, on behalf of the Heroic Council, I want to thank all of you who are watching live, any of you who are watching live, and all of you who are watching after the fact that we're live, and any of you that will hopefully tune in at a later date for another episode. I just want to say thank you for for watching us and spending some time with us. Don't forget to subscribe. You can subscribe in a lot of different places. If you go to superheroinstitute.org slash heroic, you'll see all the different places that you can subscribe. This will soon be available uh, following the release of this particular episode. We're going to be making it available live on every podcast platform you can think of. Uh, I just haven't put it up yet, but the pilot will be up there as well as this episode. So you'll be able to get this as a podcast and listen to it later on. You can always catch us every Friday, one o'clock in our Facebook. Facebook group at super uh you can find the link to that on superhuminstitute.org slash heroic uh but our facebook group is our community where we talk about different things you can ask the council a bunch of questions uh you can connect with other superheroes and learn ways that if you have an ambition to change the world and make it a better place you can find the people who will help you do it and uh this heroic council is evidence that that is a possibility and that is that is the thing that happens uh so please subscribe please tell your friends about it share these episodes if you like them uh always leave us a comment if you have something to say uh all the good things do all the things and if you're on youtube click the bell that's the thing smash the like button uh, smash the subscribe button and, and the notification bell is that what they say is that what the kids are saying these days well anyway uh if you're uh if you're thinking about tuning in next week then i guess i would just say tune in next week as our superheroes cover productivity tools and find out if our heroes are in trouble or becoming more productive and with that we are out people <laughs>